Welcome to Beyond the Bridge with psychic medium and animal communicator, Samantha Jones. We are glad you are here and hope you enjoy the next hour where Samantha and her guest will help connect you to the magic of the universe, as well as to your loved ones and pets, both here and beyond the bridge. And now, Samantha Jones. Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Bridge. I am your host, Samantha Jones, and I am so glad that you are here today. I have a wonderful show prepared for you, especially if you are an animal person. Last week, our topic was healing your inner child through shadow work. I have gotten quite a few messages from listeners, and I want to say thank you, first of all, for your your amazing messages. You guys are so sweet, and I just appreciate all of your kindness and the and the things that you have to say and and I just love it and I love that you guys are working on this too. So congratulations to anybody that has done some of this inner child work and shadow work. I've been working on it myself the last week and it's definitely not easy but it definitely helps us heal. So this week like I said we have an exciting topic that is intuitive pet behavior training. So I Actually, in my line of work, there's a lot of different things that I do, but one of them is living reading, living pet reading. So I talk to animals that have passed away, but I also talk to pets that are living. And a lot of the time when people come to me for living pet readings, they are coming to me with behavior issues. So today I'm going to talk about the most common behavior issues that I get asked about how I've been able to help people so that you can use these same tools and apply them in your life to help with the issues that your pets have. If you have a particular problem that you would like to talk about, discuss, please feel free to give a call into the show, 888-346-9141, and we can talk about your particular problem and see if we can get it worked out. I would like to say I have a special guest in studio today. He is not human. He is my nine-year-old Black Lab Sabbath. So he's here for the show uh, and he loves to be here. So welcome, Sabbath. So let's talk about the animals. First, I want to give you a little bit of background on my history of working with animals because I've talked a little bit in other episodes about when I learned that I was an animal communicator, but I've never really talked about my professional life and what I've done through the years that has brought me to where I am today. I have worked with animals since I was 19 years old. One of my very first jobs when I moved to Las Vegas was working at Petco. And I actually, in California, ferrets are illegal. And I had never seen a ferret before. But when I got to Vegas, I was so interested in these little creatures that I actually uh, adopted quite a few of them and started a ferret club. And so I've worked with ferret shelters and have lots and lots of knowledge on them. I also worked at PetSmart in the small animal department for a while. I worked as a receptionist in a vet hospital and was being trained to be a tech as well. That is where I decided I wanted my career to take a different turn. I wanted to do something that was going to more help animals because working in veterinary hospitals is very, very emotional. You see everything and it's really hard, especially when you have these kinds of abilities. So I didn't want to do that kind of work anymore. And that's when I started my own pet sitting business. And that was in 2000. And I did that uh, till 2020 when COVID hit. That was when I retired from pet sitting. Well, there were a couple of years I took off in the middle to take care of my grandmother, but that was my main job for most of my 
my life so far. I've also worked at doggy daycares. I've done bird rescue. So I am very knowledgeable when it comes to especially dogs, but also cats, birds, ferrets, reptiles. I've worked with a lot of different animals. So I hope that that will give you a little confidence in knowing that the things that I'm going to talk about today aren't just based on my intuitive abilities, but my experience working with animals. This job, though, being an animal communicator, I have learned more in the last five years of doing this job professionally than I did in the previous 25 years of working with animals. It just blows my mind every day, the things that I continue to learn and the things that I'm able to do with my own animals that has helped me. So for example, I was talking about Sabbath here. He does not like to have his nails trimmed. And I don't like that he doesn't like it. I don't want to have to torture him. I don't want to be the one to torture him. So I've always taken him to the vet and had them do it. But I go to other people's homes. That's something else I do. I go to other people's homes and trim their dog's nails and their bird's wings and stuff like that. So it's like, why can't you do it for your own dog, right? So actually, this happened a couple of days ago that I was laying down with him and I asked him, do you have any pain right now? Because he's getting older and he told me that he had pain in his feet. And his nails were a little long. And so I told him, we need to take care of your nails. If we can take care of those nails, cut them back somewhat, it's not going to hurt so bad. But he's so like, as soon as you start with him, he starts pulling his paw away. He's he's even tried, like he won't bite, but he's, you know, tried to put his mouth on me just to tell me, hey, I don't like this. So I had to sit there and I had to calm him. And this is one of the ways that all of these things that we're going to talk about today, this is how it needs to begin. And that is with your energy being at a stable level, not being upset, not being nervous, because I knew that he was going to give me a hard time. So if I would have been stressed about it, it would have made it even worse. So the very first thing that I did is I relaxed. I totally relaxed my energy to the point where I was feeling very soft. You know, I was smiling at him and loving him and petting on him and telling him how much I loved him. And and then I was telling him intuitively, and this is this is not hard. This is something that you all can do. You can talk to your animals. All you have to do is really visualize them and visualize what you want them to do. So in my head, I showed Sabbath what I was going to do. I showed him the Dremel and that I was just going to take it to his nails. I actually went and got a regular nail file first, and I I filed those just a little bit down. I mean, I couldn't do much, but it was just to show him, this is what I'm doing. It's just that the Dremel I'm bringing out is faster. And so I explained all of this to him, and he actually, for the first time in nine years, let me do his toenails without any help. We There were no other dogs there. My husband wasn't there. Nobody else it was just the two of us. It was a very calm situation. He let me do it. That he has issues with his right foot. And so when I went to the right foot, he was really, really trying to pull back with that one. And I had told him if I'm not going to say the the word because he's here, but you know, like like treats. Uh, I told him that I would give him one if he did what I wanted him to do. And then when he started pulling his foot back, I told him, I showed him two of them. And I, I said, you can have two if you let me finish. And he instantly relaxed and let me finish. This is not a special skill that you need to have in order to be able to do these things. If you if you bring your energy to that level and you connect to your animal by just petting them, loving them, just connecting with them on that special level that I'm sure you do in just regular times, they start to calm and they understand that you're calm. And when you're calm, they're calm because 
they don't speak English. And so if you are uptight and nervous and stressed, they're going to feel that. And that goes with any of these things that we're going to talk about from nail trims to separation anxiety. It all comes down to your energy. Whether you believe it or not, you're the key ingredient in training your animal. It is not your animal. It is not if you bring another trainer in, it is not their responsibility. You are the one that has to be focused and the one that has to understand that you're in control, but not in like a domineering type of way. We need to look at our animals more as closer as equals than we are the master of them because that's not really a great way of looking at things. These are intelligent creatures. There's no reason to believe that we are any better than them. They are are God's creatures and they are here to serve a purpose. Their purpose is different than ours and they do things different than we do. But these animals are highly intelligent. And just because they don't verbalize the way that we do and they don't speak English does not mean they're not intelligent. They speak telepathy, which is to me the most complicated language that you can learn. It's it's tough to learn, especially because it's something that does come natural, but we push it down. So we have to open it up again. But if you can learn, and I'm I'm happy to work with any of you if you need help on this and and learning how to relax your energy to be able to connect better to your animal. I would love to work with anybody if you need any help with this. But that relaxation gives you that um, it gives you your dog's attention. It lets them know this is not a fearful situation. So in any of these things that we're going to talk about today, that's the first thing that I would do, as well as sending them these pictures, like how I was sending the pictures to Sabbath of what I'm going to do. And I also was trying to tell him how he was going to feel afterwards, that it was going to feel better because when they're, this is for a lot of animals, this happens is that their nails get too long. And especially if you have like, we have wood floors mostly throughout the house, they use those nails for traction. And if they're too long, then they like really hurt. I can feel it when the animals tell me that this is an issue. And it's all within their feet, in their bones of their feet. So keeping their nails trimmed is really important. And if if you've had a hard time with it, this is something to consider. Because, like, just imagine if you you didn't speak the language and somebody took you to the doctor and then you're taken into the back of this doctor's office and they're holding you down and forcing you to do something like trim your nails. It makes it seem so drastic. It's such a, you know, a hard thing for them to understand. Why is this happening? Why, what's the problem? Why do they have to force me to do this? But if we can teach our animals that this is about making sure that they're comfortable, then they understand better and they allow us to do these things more. This also comes down to vet visits and going to the groomer. If you have an animal that is uptight with being in the car or with going to the vet, Most of the time, this stems from because they don't know where they are going. They may have had an experience at one of these places that scared them. So again, this comes back to the intuition of of calming your energy, picturing your animal in your head, and showing them where you're going. Showing them that you're if you're going to the vet, show them that. Show them what might happen there. And if it's the groomer, the same thing. Show them you're going to get a bath. My sister is a groomer. I'm talking about you, Amanda. She loves it when I talk about her. 
she's a groomer. And I hear from her a lot of different stories that make me feel sorry for not just her, but for the animals as well. People that want to stand there with their animals and are nervous wrecks while my sister's trying to groom them and the animals looking at them like, oh my God, you know, and the people think that the the dogs looking at them like that because they're scared about what's going on. But really it's about the fact that you're standing there with your anxiety. So that's not really, I don't, I don't think that that's a great thing to do is to stay with your animals when they're at a groomer like that. Allow the groomer to do their job, especially if it's somebody that's really good with animals, let them do their job. Same with the vet. Um, I'm talking to myself in this situation. It's really funny because um, the dog I had talked about a couple of weeks ago, Zuma, he has to go in for an ultrasound next week. And I'm a nervous wreck about it um, because he normally has a mobile vet that comes to the house. So I'm a nervous wreck. So I have to do this to myself. I have to remind myself that on the way, on the drive there, I have to keep calm. And I have to picture in my head where we're going and what we're doing and explain to him that we're just going to take some pictures of your stomach, make sure everything is okay. And while he's there as well, like when they take him in the back to do that, I've been thinking about the fact that I'll communicate with him while he's back there just to keep him calm. But I have to keep my own energy calm. And if I can't, then I'm not going to do that. And you won't be able to get through to your animals. Like if you are trying to do this and you're sitting there and, you know, it's just not working, it might be that you're just not relaxed enough. Your energy is not at the right level. And and that has a lot to do with meditation. And we've talked about that before. So not going to get into that today. But let's see what else is on my list of different things. Um, Aggression towards men and other animals. This is one that I see a lot. This also comes down to, first of all, that some animals are just instinctively protectors. They want to protect their family. This is their home. If there's somebody coming into their home, you know, a worker or whatever, um, this is their environment. And they are, they, a lot of animals feel like they are supposed to protect you, that they need to let this person know, hey, this is my house and you should respect my house. And I don't blame them. I really don't. Like, that just seems like, you know, it. it just seems normal to me. But when the problem comes in is when you have an animal that doesn't like men or other people or other animals. I see it mostly with men, probably because women have softer energy. But I see it with my own animals with men that come into the home and they come in with this, oh my gosh, that's a giant dog because we have three big dogs. But the biggest one is 170 pounds. So of course, men walk in here and they're like, oh boy. And, you know, he he feels it. He knows that. And so we have to make sure that we adjust our energy again to let them know it's okay. Because if you're feeling that anxiousness, like like let's say that you know that there's a worker coming over. You got the air conditioning guy coming over, right? And you are stressed because you know that you're, one of your dogs or whatever doesn't like men. You're feeling that anxiety. Your animal's feeling that anxiety. The person knocks at the door. And then of course you have the chaos that always erupts with you know people at the door. And your energy gets more and more anxious and your animal feels that, but they don't know what it is that you're anxious about. They might think that that person is there to hurt you and that you're nervous about that. So this is one of the things that I've really worked on with training myself to help my animals is that when somebody is coming over, whether it's, you know, somebody I know or a worker or whatever, I calm my energy and let them know I've allowed this person to come in. And these are just things you just say in your head to them. You just picture in your head because uh, pictures do work really well with them. If you picture the person 
coming into the house and you greeting them and everything going well, that will let them know that the energy is okay. One of the reasons that I've done this, that I felt like if there is ever an emergency, if there is ever somebody that breaks into the house, I want my animals to know the difference between my energy when that person's supposed to be there and when they're not. And so if you can train your animals to go off of your energy of who is and isn't supposed to be there, then you'll probably have a different kind of guard dog in that situation. We need to take a break here in a minute, but when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about this particular subject and about other animals, you know, taking your pets to the dog park or walking them on a leash and they have animal aggression, those types of things. Some of the other things I want to talk about today is uh, recall. So when you try and call your animal to you, when they ignore you, how to work on that. Um, preparing for um, any changes in your life. We've talked about that in a little previous episode, in the previous episode, so I'm probably won't get into that much. But um, other things that people have suggested, staying out of the trash, barking for no reason. These are all things that we'll talk about coming up in the next two segments of the show. And again, if you would like to call in and uh, we can work through the issue that you might be having with one of your pets, that would be great. And please note too, that this is not just for dogs. Like I talk about dogs and these things because most of this we see with dogs more than anything, but we can see other things like, you know, the nail trims and the, the, the vet visits and stuff with cats or birds or whatever. So this can be applied to any animal. So let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we will get into more. So stay tuned, friends. We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Have you ever suffered grief from the loss of a loved one or pet? Do you ask yourself questions like where did they go and what are they doing? Do you have guilt for things left unsaid or feel the need for answers about the loss you never received? Join Samantha Jones, psychic medium and animal communicator, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel, where her and her guest will discuss all things beyond the bridge. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Beyond the Bridge with Samantha Jones. Have a question for Samantha or her guests? Or would you like a reading? 
Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show with Samantha. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you so much for being here today. I hope that you are enjoying this topic so far of the uh, intuitive pet behavior training. So a couple of things before we go back to talking more about uh, aggression with other pets and stuff like that is I wanted to point out a couple of things about animals in general. One of those things is the emotional intelligence and emotional age level of animals. So they're a lot like us. When they're born, they know nothing, right? You have to teach them just like you do a child. And as they age, they learn more. And the older they get, the more they know. That's why animals like horses and birds and turtles, they are so wise. I love talking to them, especially horses, because they, by the time that they're like seniors, like 25 or so, oh my gosh, they have so much knowledge. So don't expect the same thing from a puppy or a kitten or, you know, a young animal that you might from your senior pet. That that saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, that is the biggest wives' tale I've ever heard. That is so untrue. It really should be, you can't teach a brand new puppy new tricks because they have such a short attention span. When people ask me to communicate with their puppies that are like 12 weeks or so or under, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be like talking to an infant because it literally is. They have no life experience. They have no idea what they're doing. So we have to treat them in that way. So for example, like when you bring a new animal home, you can't just expect that it's going to know everything that it's supposed to do or anything really that it's supposed to do. So take that into consideration when we talk about these things and when you use these kinds of tips to communicate and help with your animals and, and their training and stuff take into consideration how old they are and what else they know and kind of work with it from there. Because really, honestly, some of these things with puppies, it can be really difficult, just like with a child. There are some things too that I want to say not to do in your training. One of them is ever, ever laying your hand on, on your animal, ever. There is no reason to ever hit an animal, just none. It's not going to get you anywhere. It's just going to make everything worse. Screaming at them is also not going to do any good. Um, I have a client that has a neighbor that got a dog and she told me that her neighbor was just yelling at this poor dog that she had just rescued and the dog was having so much separation anxiety from its old home. And so I talked to the new dog and she told me that she can't handle the stress of being, she was being yelled at all the time and didn't know what was expected of her. And once we were able to work work on this and stop the lady from screaming at her. It really made a difference in their relationship and in the training that needed to happen, but it has to be consistent. And I'm not saying I never yell at my animals. If they're outside barking and and I'm getting frustrated, of course, I'm going to tell them to shut up. Are they going to? Mm, probably not because they really don't care what I say. This is where having like an alternative form of like, um, I don't know what's the word to you, reinforcement of what's going on. Like for example, uh, our dogs do not like the the sound of like a choke chain. We wiggle it in our hands and they don't like the sound of it. So they stop what they're doing. That works much, much better than yelling or getting a can, putting some coins in it and shaking it when they're doing something. They will associate that sound with that they're doing something wrong. 
instead of the screaming. Because you also have to think about the fact that if you scream at your animals, you might also scream at your kids and your spouse or whoever else. And then your animals get really, really sensitive to that. And it makes them very nervous. So we don't want to scream or get frustrated. It's so easy to get frustrated when you can't speak the same language of someone. So of course, it's going to be frustrating when you can't talk to your dogs, but they can't help that. There are innocent creatures that are trying to do the best that they can, but they don't always know what they're supposed to do. So let's go back to aggressive behavior towards men and other pets. Let, let's talk about other pets for a second. And I'm going to put this in with um, walking your pets on a leash because it kind of goes together. So let's say that your pet has, uh, your dog has aggression, went on a leash and you're, you're walking your dog. So one of the big mistakes that people make, and, I, and I've been guilty of this in the past too, is when you see an animal coming and you know that your dog is not really friendly or might lose their mind or whatever it's supposed to be, you might get tense, right? Everything gets tense. All of a sudden you get nervous and you're like, oh no, here it comes. And your animal feels that when you start to pull back on that leash, because maybe they're starting to lunge a little bit forward or whatever. As soon as you put that resistance on the leash, they want to go more because they feel it. And it feels like excitement. It feels like this is, you know, what I'm I'm supposed to be doing or whatever it is that's going through their minds. So making sure that when you see that animal coming, that you prepare your animal by preparing yourself, not getting stressed, just in your head, show what is expected. Show that you want your dog to continue walking while the other dog walks by. Whatever it is that you want them to do, picture that in your head. Keep yourself calm. Uh, if you try to apply these things and they do not work, this is what I'm here for. Because a lot of times it's hard for people to understand the connection, the, the connection you need to have with them to send the pictures, which really isn't much. You just need to learn how to do it. But if you haven't learned how to do it yet and you would like my help, this is absolutely where these are the areas where I love to come in and help. I will even do as much as like if you go on a walk, I will tell them before you leave. Like if you message me, you know, we're leaving for our walk. I will tell them exactly what's expected of them. And this works really, really well. So I'm telling you, these behavior tips, I, they're amazing and they will work if you apply them the right way. Aggression with other animals and with people can stem from a lot of things. It can stem from past experiences. It can stem from, you know, they just maybe don't like other animals. But one of the things here that we have to understand is that sometimes animals just have a specific personality. Sometimes you're not going to be able to take your dog to the dog park because they don't want to. I had a dog that passed away actually five years ago today. Sequoia um, passed away, but she did not like little dogs. And there was nothing that I could do to train that out of her. We did train out of her, her dislike for cats, but with the little dogs, it just never worked. So it was my responsibility as a pet owner to just make sure that I never put her in those situations. Uh, when we would go to the vet, I would call in to the vet. I'm there. And I would bring her in if there were no small dogs in the waiting room. Sometimes it just isn't fixable and you have to be the one to make the adjustments to change things. We we have cats previously and Sequoia did not like the cats. And so I actually did bring a trainer in for this. And he was the one that taught us about 
the the choke chain and and jingling it in your hand that they didn't like it. So that's how we trained out of her the going after the cats. Every time that she would go after them, we would jiggle the the choke chain. And if that didn't help, then we would throw it towards her, not at her, not to hit her, just towards her. And it stopped the behavior. So it really is, if you can't, if you can't fix the problem with the animal communication and the intuition, there are some other ideas of how to do it or to just accept that there's just some animals that aren't going to like men and they're are not going to like other pets. But really, if you use these tips, if you use all these tips and there's it doesn't change, then you know that it really is just about you changing the way that you handle these situations. Separation anxiety is a big one that I see, huge. There's a lot of reasons why animals have separation anxiety. One of the reasons is because they don't like to be alone. They just don't like to be alone. They don't know when you're coming back. They don't know when you're going, why, where you're going, why you're going there. So when you leave the house, it's really good to have a normal routine. Before we leave the house, I always tell the animals where we're going, you know, just a brief snapshot in my head if I know and, you know, how long we're going to be back till we're back. And I give them a treat and and say goodbye and tell them I love them and they are calmly in their beds when we leave. And that lets them know it's okay. We're going to be back. Uh, But if you're stressed and you're running around the house, getting, trying to get ready for work or whatever, and let's say you have a dog that's crated and you're running around like a madman, where's my keys? I'm late for work. And you got to get in your crate, get in your crate, get in your crate. If you're sitting there doing that, get in your crate, get in your crate. How is that animal feeling? They're feeling your stress. Then you're putting an animal in a crate that's stressed and you're expecting them to sit in there all day while you're at work with probably nothing to do, which is a whole other issue. But they're, of course, they're going to rip up their pads or they're going to scratch, they try and scratch their way out or they're going to bark and scream or whatever. It really, again, comes down to energy. How are you leaving the house? How are you treating them when you leave the house? There's a lot of dog trainers that will tell you to ignore your animals when you leave and when you come back. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. I think that they should be treated just how you would want to be treated if if your spouse or whoever else was leaving. I love you. I'll see you soon. This is where I'm going. If we can kind of train those things into our animals, it just becomes easier with life. It becomes easier to be able to leave them when we go for work or have to go out for hours at a time or whatever. It helps their separation anxiety. A crate is not a bad situation. If you have an animal that's destructive, please don't look at crates as being something bad. Animal that dogs especially are den animals. They feel safe in their crates, but it has to be done the right way. They have to be introduced to this crate as um, a place of happiness, a place for them to get away, not as a place of punishment. If you're always putting your dog in the crate to punish them, punish them if they had an accident in the house or if they tore something up and you're like, get in your crate they're going to look at that crate as being, you know, a bad situation. So you never want to use it that way. Always use it as a positive. Um, And if you do put your animals in a crate when you leave for the day or whatever, give them something to do, whether it's an indestructible toy or like like a Kong toy. It just depends on your dog's chewing habits. You know, you know your dog. Just make sure that they have something to do in there and that they're not in there for too long. My sister's best friend has a puppy who is having issues going to the bathroom in the crate at night. So I told her that I would talk about that a little bit because I think that that is definitely something here too. Potty training. 
Potty training in general, it can be very frustrating, but it can be done quickly if it's done the right way. One of the biggest things that you have to remember when you're doing this is that an animal learns immediately. If they've done something wrong and then you go away or like you're gone and then you come back and you see that they've done something wrong, they're not intelligent enough to usually put two and two together that you're mad about that thing that happened so long ago. Picking up an animal and putting their nose in their pee is animal abuse. Please don't ever do that. There's absolutely no reason to ever treat an animal like that. You wouldn't like that if somebody did that to you. Potty training should be a happy experience. It should be something that you understand you're in charge of, just like with your child, just like when your child's in diapers and then you decide, I'm going to start potty training this child. If your child has an accident, are you going to rub their nose in it or are you going to get mad at them? Well, I would hope not. I would hope that you'd be understanding that they're in the training process. It has to be consistent. Potty training, all of this has to be consistent. There's so many different things that go with this that aren't just intuitive, but also different training things of any time that your puppy eats or wakes up immediately needs to go out. The rule of thumb, too, is not to leave your animal in the crate. So like if you have a four month old puppy, the maximum amount of time you want to leave that puppy in the crate is four hours. Five month old puppy, it's five hours. They shouldn't be in the crate longer than that amount of time. They can't hold their bladder that long. So if you're expecting that they're going to do that, then you're setting them up for failure. Also, if this is a situation like my sister's best friend, I don't know what's going on there because I haven't talked to her about her. I just know that that's an issue. So I'm just um, putting everything out there of what might be going on here. But um, making sure that the very last thing you do before you go to bed is taking your animal out and making sure that they go to the bathroom. That is for anybody, whether you crate your animals or, you know, you don't. If you don't have a dog door, then they should be your very last thing that you do before you go to bed at night is making sure that they go out to go to the bathroom. We have like we take them, our, our dogs can go in and out as they want all day, but we close the door at night. And so the last thing that I do before we head back to the bedroom is I say last call and I make sure all three dogs go outside and I stand there with them and I make sure that they go to the bathroom. Because if you just let your animals roam and do what they're going to do, most of the time you're setting them up for failure. So you need to be there and watch and make sure that they go. And what I'll do if they're like lollygagging or whatever is I will picture in my head what I want them to do. Um, I will actually picture one of the boys or the girls squatting the way they normally do and going to the bathroom. And that helps them to see, okay, this is what she wants me to do. And if they listen, they always get praise, always praise. That is the biggest thing. Animals love to be praised. They get very excited. So like if you have a dog, this this happened with us actually when we were potty training Sabbath, we were having a hard time with it. And my in-laws came over and there was somebody else there that day. I don't know, but there was there was at least five of us in the room. And Sabbath went out on his own to go to the bathroom and he peed outside and we all got so excited and clapped for him and made a big deal out of it. And he came back in and was so happy that we were so excited. He never had another accident in the house. So it really is important, the positivity, the positive energy, making sure that they understand that they're not doing something wrong. Because if you don't train them, potty train them the correct way, you'll train your animals to be afraid to go to the bathroom. 
Like that's how bad it can get. If you're, if they just don't understand, they're supposed to go outside. If you're not doing it on the timely manner that you're supposed to, and they're peeing in the house and you're scolding them for that, you're basically telling them not to go to the bathroom. And that can be very dangerous. So you don't want to play those kinds of games when it comes to potty training. Try and remember that they're like kids and that they need to learn like kids and it takes time. And it really is about us. It's all about us training them. We have to teach them and we have to teach them appropriately. I still have so many things to talk about, but we need to take another break. And uh, again, if anybody would like to call in, you're more than welcome to. The number is 888-346-9141. And if you're interested in learning more about talking to your animals yourself or things like um, preparing for a trip or or other things that I won't get to today, on uh, February 8th, I did the episode, What the Animals Tell Me, and you can hear some things in there. And then on the 22nd of February, I did another episode called So You Want to Talk to the Animals, where that one teaches you more how to talk talk to the animals. So you can find all of those on Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to this show or your podcasts. So let's go ahead and take that break, everybody. We will be right back after these quick messages. Stay tuned, friends. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Beyond the Bridge with Samantha Jones. Have a question for Samantha or her guests, or would you like a reading? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show with Samantha. 
Welcome back to Beyond the Bridge, everyone. Thank you again so much for being here today. We are talking about intuitive pet behavior training. Uh, I want to switch the animal a little bit here for a minute. I want to talk about cats. Cats are a different breed themselves, aren't they, right? Like, not just literally, but they are. They're completely different than working with animals. That you, Most of this stuff uh, you can take the, you know, the intuitive side of it, but like the other stuff, maybe not for cats so much. One of the things that people come to me the most for when it comes to cats is that they may not want to use the litter box every time. There's a lot of reasons why this could happen. So I'm going to give you some of the most common reasons. First of all, they might be sick. They might have some kind of urinary tract infection. So if this is a cat that is just all of a sudden not going in the litter box, Definitely make sure that you take that cat to the vet, especially if they're older, if you see any other kinds of health changes. If you've added another cat to the house, a lot of times they won't want to share that box with the new cat. I see that a lot. So make sure, I, I try to tell people, the best thing you can do is for each cat that you have, have one litter box per cat. That helps them. If you start using a new litter or you bring a cat home and they're just not using the box, they might not like that litter. So it's okay to try different things, especially if it's a rescue, because you might not know what kind of litter they're used to. Because cats, yes, they teach themselves to use the, the litter box, but it doesn't mean that they will. If that's the only thing that they have and it's either not clean or it's not the litter that they like, they might go outside of the box. But besides these reasons, the biggest reason that I see cats do this is because they don't know how else to get through to their owners that they need something or they're they're upset about something. So a lot of times cats that do this will literally like be halfway in the litter box and halfway out and stare at you while they're doing it. Like, like vindictively almost. I hear this all the time and I've seen it myself too. They're trying to tell you something and it's kind of like with a child, it's process of elimination. But I get a lot of times where people will hire me to figure out what's going on and there's been an obvious change. The animal will tell me somebody new's come into the home. There's a new animal. We've moved. There's a new baby. There's some kind of change. So the very first thing that I tell people to do is look at the change that has, if there's been a change in your home. Have you brought a new animal, a new baby, a new anything? Any kind of change can set an animal off to where they don't understand and they're going to show you that through their behavior. So always look at that first. Is there a reason? Is there something here that's changed? Um, and then try some of the other things, you know, the, the changing of the litter or whatever. One of the biggest problems, this is a big problem I see, by the way, like I work on several of these cases a week. One of the big problems is that cats have such a good smeller and like if they go to the bathroom in one place then then they're going to want to go there more so you have to really really clean and that can be really difficult um that even goes for for dogs male dogs our dog sabbath is like that i this is kind of a gross story but i'll share it uh, i had to get a urine sample for zuma because he's got liver issues and spilt a little bit of it and sabbath went and peed right on top of it instantly they the animals want to cover up the other animal smell so that's instinctive and yeah they they love that smell so they usually go back to it so making sure that it's clean and you know all of that is very very important too 
let's see what else about cats can we talk about because there is so much oh scratching that is another good one uh if you have an animal a cat that's scratching like on the furniture and not on a scratching post a lot of times this is just because they don't understand they don't know that's your couch (laughs) they don't know it's not a scratching post for them so they just need to be told that in a nice kind way look this is mine this is yours you know if you don't have a cat tree for them get one because they need something or something to scratch on uh, that will take their focus away. Cats naturally scratch. They need to. They use. They do that to uh, keep their own nails as sharp and trimmed as they can. And it's also very good for anxiety. And, and there's a lot of reasons why they do it. So definitely making sure that they have their own spot to scratch if they're tearing up your furniture. Um, but intuitively speaking, the best way to handle this intuitively is to explain to them, this is mine, that is yours. And with cats, it's it can be very hard. And so sometimes I tell people if they're not listening, there's other things that you can bring in, like there's bitter apple spray, or there's things you can actually put on your furniture to deter them. Uh, but this can be a very frustrating situation. But a, a lot of times I do have great success with talking to them and telling them this is not yours, but you're going to get something of your own or, or, you know, this tree is yours catnip on the tree Whatever it takes, uh, it it will help to get them away from scratching up your stuff. So let's say that you're going to add a new pet to your family. This is an area where there's so much behavior training that's probably needed, and it's not necessarily as much needed for the animals as it is for the owners. So I'm going to give a little scenario here. You bring a new dog into your home. You already have a dog and a cat, and you have a child. This dog you're bringing into your home has never been around any of those. You're asking for chaos, and that's okay. That's okay, because it'll get better. But you can't expect to bring this dog home into this this new environment with all of these new sounds and all of these new creatures, and that they're just going to be okay. An animal really needs time to adjust to a new home. Uh, It takes usually a few days for them just to decompress, just for you to be able to really start to bond with them because they, especially rescue animals, they have been through a lot, but it can really take months for them to really, really adjust and understand you and for you to understand them. And you may never totally understand them. And that's where I come in. But you need to take into consideration, we all do anytime that we we bring a new animal in or even a, a new child, a new anything that we bring into the home, that we're taking into consideration everybody's feelings. Everybody in this situation needs to be intuitively talked to. Of course, if you have a baby, that's going to, you know, let's, I'm just talking about the dog and the cat, but talking to your kids if they're older too and explain to them, this is a big change. It's going to take some adjusting, but it's going to be fine. And they understand this when you explain it to them. But if you just bring another animal into your home and nobody's prepared for it, it really can be quite chaotic. And imagine for that animal that's already been through so much that they have a hard time and they don't know, maybe, maybe this dog doesn't know how to be around cats. So Um, One of the best things in this situation that I can say is if you have another dog and you are bringing in another one, let them meet each other outside of the home. Don't do the meeting in a place that is your current dog's place. This is his home. He doesn't maybe like strangers in his home. It's not an equal place. You need to take them to an equal place like a park and introduce them there. That will help so much. If they've never been around cats, I would definitely say to put the cats away 
for a little while while they adjust to the smell, let them smell the cat beds, and then start slowly because you definitely don't want there to be any issues. And this is absolutely something that I can help with. But I bring this up about adding the new pet to the family because I do see it a lot. And I feel so sorry for the animals that come in and they, a lot of them are, you know, sometimes return to the shelter. They're not understood. They have a hard time adjusting because you're not familiar with their background or with their, their certain things that they do. We rescued an old Great Dane a couple of years ago, and it's still hard to like understand why she does some of the things that she does. She actually doesn't like to leave the bedroom in the morning until she is really shown it's okay. And like, so if my husband's still asleep and I go, come on, Betty, come on. And I'm trying to be quiet. She won't come with me. I have to get like bread and do like a a trail of bread because she loves bread and she'll follow me. Uh, And this is something that she must have learned in her old home. Uh, And when I've asked her about that, I do feel like one of the homes that she was in was very strict about where she was allowed to go, when she was allowed to get up from there. And even though I've told her so many times, you don't need permission to move about this house. You go where you want to go. You be independent, Betty. She still has those hangups because of where she came from. So you're not going to be able to change the animal overnight, if at all. Sometimes you just have to learn to adjust to whatever it is that they came in with. That is a never-ending possibility. You know, I could sit here and go over all the possibilities. But I would be here forever of uh, when a new animal comes in. But that is definitely something to take into consideration. It's going to take time. It's going to change your life for the moment. And and actually, I mean, it's going to change it, period, because something new is coming in. But don't adopt an animal right before you go on vacation or something like that or before you're having like a major surgery or whatever. Make sure that you adopt an animal in a time where you can give them what they need so that they can adjust to being in your home, as well as for the other animals and people in your home, because that sometimes is the most stressful thing. You could get a dog that comes in and is like, oh my gosh, this is the best place I've ever been. And they're jumping about and they're having a great time. And you're sitting there going, oh my gosh, was this a mistake? They just need decompression time. So please allow them that time. Um, These are things that can all be worked out, really. Something else is your dog's recall, learning them learning their name, you learning how to get their attention back. So something that we seem to kind of forget when it comes to animals is this whole age, emotional age level type of thing. If you have a child and let's say that they're, you know, running across the park and you want them to come back and you're yelling their name, come back, come back. Well, are they going to a lot of times? And what happens if you start chasing them? If you start chasing them, do they start running? Think about that with your animals too, of an animal that maybe has run off and you're chasing them. Don't ever chase your animals if they run off, just drop to the ground or start walking the other way, or start crying. These are the things that will bring your animal back to you. But chasing after them, is not it doesn't work. It does the actual complete opposite. Recall is um, something that definitely is good to work with um, with a trainer because that is there's a lot that goes along with that. They need to, you need to understand when they are alerted to you and when they're not, when they're in their own heads, they're not even gonna hear their name being called. 
having something else to bring them back to you besides just their name would be very helpful. So like how we have the the choke chain that we shake to, to stop a behavior, having something to get their attention back that they might like the sound of is sometimes very helpful. One of the problems that we have with recall and intuition is that if you're sending that message to them telepathically and they're, you know, kind of anxious and and in, into what they're doing, whether it's excitement or anxiety or whatever, they're not going to hear you because they're tuned out just like a child. So recall is definitely something that I say is good to work with a trainer on. Um, also incorporating treats into this and and just doing small exercises with them. But you can't just expect that a dog's going to come running back to you if you call their name. They're just, you know, it's like humans. It's like a human child. You just have to work with them on this. Um, but definitely that that is very important. And if you can't get that done with the intuition, which honestly, I can't either, I would definitely say to bring Bring a trainer into that because that is something where you need to get through the um, the clouded mind and stuff. Let's see. We only have we only have two minutes. Okay. Um, one of the things I want to say, which goes with anything, any behavior that your animal does, is do not set your animal up for failure. If your animal gets into the trash, do not leave the trash there. Do not leave trash in the house. Make sure like we have a trash can that automatically opens when you get near it or we have, get one of those that has the, you know, the foot pedal or whatever. Don't put a regular trash can there expecting that you're just going to yell at them when they do it and they're not going to do it again. This goes with anything. Don't set your animal up for failure. Treat them the way that you would want to be treated because they are intelligent, highly intelligent, emotional, empathetic, sensitive creatures that love us. They love us unconditionally. No matter how much we yell at them, no matter what we do, they love us unconditionally and they deserve the same exact thing from us. I have to go now, friends, and I'm so bummed because I could talk about this for hours, but I will meet you back here, same place, same time next week, and we will chat more. So until then, if you would like to find me, Samantha Jones, psychicmedium.com, you can find my other podcast, Spiritual Philosophy Chatter there, my blog and everything. Until next week, friends, peace and love. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Beyond the Bridge. We hope you will join Samantha and next week's guest for more eye-opening ways to connect to the universe. Until next week, peace and love.